WWF Light Heavyweight Champion Gilbert, brother, and you're listening to the Greetings Guild Podcast. Welcome, Greetings, to another episode of the Nerd or Not Podcast. You hear crickets. Actually, you probably would hear crickets <laughs> if you tuned into our podcast over the last two months. We've been really busy. Uh, Jay, Corey, and I have not had an episode to do together since August. So, yeah, we're a little behind. Sorry about that. Thank you anyway for keeping up. But you know what? Since I'm paying for the hosting fees, I figure might as well put something out there. We got a couple of things we want to talk about, some topics I want to cover. And Jay got sick and Corey wasn't available. (laughs) Just my luck. But I was not was not alone in the universe. I was not, because I have somebodies. That's right, you can tune into the Somebodies Network on Twitter, at Somebodiesnet, and you will find a range of podcasts who that will deal with any kind of topic that you like. We, t- we tend to talk about, you know, like, trendy nerd-type topics. So I brought in a fellow nerd, fellow somebody. He is the man, the myth, Miles from the best darn diddly fucking podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's what we're going to change the name to officially is the best darn fucking diddly podcast. I love that. Yeah. Just put like a F with the little Grawlix symbols after it. Kind of like how a Rob does. <laughs> yeah, perfect. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, man, dude, I'm super excited to be here, Bob. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I uh, like the rest of your guild. I am a Cretan and a nerd, so... Uh, it's a great fit. I'm always uh, always happy to be here and always glad to talk to you about all the things happening over in your world of uh, just broad nerdmanship, I guess you would call it. Nerdmanship. I like that. <laughs> it's the USS Nerdmanship. Set sail. <laughs> Good luck, boys. But we, we also have some other stuff we want to talk about. First, let me sell something really quick because we are in that special time of year, which is Halloween. Woo! It is October. It is mid-October. Man, it is almost Halloween now. Get ready for it. So if you go to our Instagram account, Cretans Guild, you will see our brand new holiday logo. Great artist Tom Solo has given us another image. But if you like it, you can get a t-shirt of her or a mug or a book or whatever you want on tpublic.com. User slash Cretans Guild. You'll find it. You'll love it. Great shirts. Great items. Check it out. You'll support the cast. And hey, you'll help me with the hosting fees because this shit is expensive. It is. And your your merch looks dope, bro. Like, I uh, love all of your logos. I'm literally, as we speak, I am using the Cretans Guild Championship Belt Coaster that you sent me underneath yeah. my Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> sell it! So how about we actually talk about some shit now instead of selling cool. merch? I mean, we can do either. Honestly, yeah. it's fine. All right. So we already mentioned it's Halloween. Miles, you've been putting some stuff on your Instagram uh, of you in a particular form of makeup that... <laughs> I really got to ask you about, because I just got back from Halloween Horror Nights, a couple of visits to that. You look like uh, you've been doing your own version of that. Tell me more about this. Yeah, so I'm actually an actor for Fright Fest. I, uh, I play a cannibal in a, the- or in a haunted house called Piggy's Bloodshed, which essentially the theming of that is a... Uh, it's a barbecue joint where as you're going through and it becomes more and more sadistic, you kind of realize that you are on the menu. Uh, so it's uh, it's a really good time. I'm a, a big fan of uh, Halloween in general. A lot of that, actually, by far my favorite Halloween event is uh, Halloween Horror Nights. It's 
uh, one I've been to twice and, and plan to attend again. Hopefully next year actually is the uh, game plan. Awesome. Uh, man, I've just, I've always loved Halloween. I, I think it's, uh, by far the best holiday. I would trade every Christmas for Halloween. Uh, no, no, no doubt in my mind, cause it's just a, a really, really fun time. And, uh, haunting and scaring has just always been a passion of mine. Horror movies, like, I mean, just the whole holiday just really, uh, is something I'm, I've been way into. I actually started as a, like, very small scale home haunter where I would, uh, build little, like, walk through things in my driveway in my driveway oh, that were like designed to scare the kids that like would come by and trick-or-treating and like where i realized like maybe i'm like kind of uh like should take it to a different level is like literally like the last couple of years i was doing this out of my driveway i would get so many kids that you would see them stop at the end of the street or like they'd be approaching <laughs> the house and they would just go to the other side of the street and like people would not come to it because i was making it too scary so it's like you know, instead of like spending a shit ton of money to like convert my driveway into a hellhole, like how about I maybe go get paid to like scare the piss out of people? And uh, it's so much fun, man. It's a it's an absolute blast. You, you're talking about a dream that I would love to do because I, I earlier this year I realized I was looking at my backyard and it's got gates on both sides of the house, and I was thinking I could easily build a maze that comes up one side of the house weaves around in the backyard and comes out on the other side of the house. And, and just the imagery I was thinking of would, it would be very expensive, but Oh Lord, it would be so much fun to work on. Dude. Uh, I am still planning. I, I actually did this year and unfortunately I didn't ever get a call back, but I, uh, I was auditioning or trying to get an audition for Halloween horror nights. And if I get that gig, I'm definitely taking you up on your offer to crash on your guest bedroom in which case, I'll have uh, free time that we can build your dream haunt together oh during God. the day. I'd be weighing on that, honestly. I love that stuff. There's such a big smile on my face. <laughs> I, I love Christmas, but man, Halloween is just so much fun. Halloween is the best, dude. It's I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Give me your top three horror movies. Okay. Um, my top one is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Ooh, uh, I, I really love that story. Uh, I It was one that I actually watched with like my cousins when I was like young. It was like on VHS. We had a copy of it. That one's the Dream Warriors for what it's worth, where it's the kids in like the psych ward who are like experiencing nightmares with Freddy. And uh, they actually like have to harness their dream powers to fight back. And really, it was kind of like the, the reinvention. <laughs> the 80s were such a great time. Dude, it's amazing, right? So legit, last <laughs> night, I actually watched 4 and 5, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5, which are direct sequels of, like, basically, Nightmare 3 through uh, Nightmare 5 are, like, one long story. It's, uh, like, the Dream Warriors, and then the Dream Master, and then the Dream Child actually play as, like, their own trilogy. Um, so I'm, I've actually skipped my favorite one last night just cause I have seen it so many times and watched its sequels, oddly enough, uh, since you asked me that man, other horror movies, like this is one of those questions that you could probably ask me every day and it would change a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would have to put the original Halloween on my list. I, I really, really love okay. that film quite a bit. Um, I feel like it's just got a... A, a timelessness and, and part of it is it's just such an iconic look and i mean they're hell they're they're now back to making movies in that franchise and i'm gonna cheat just because i i have two they both have sam neill in them and they've flown in and out of my top 
list all the time, but I'm going to say both Event Horizon and In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, yeah. I remember that when I saw Event Horizon in the theater, I had no idea that movie was going to be as scary as it ended up being. That's an intense fucking film, dude. (laughs) That is, yeah. That was a, I need to sit down and rest for a little while after watching that. There's a director's cut, too. If you haven't seen the director's cut, it's like, it's a little tap of adrenaline to an already fucked up film. Jeez. (laughs) Speaking of director's cut, my... My personal favorite horror movie of all time is the director's cut of The Exorcist. Oh, dude, Exorcist is another one that is constantly in my list. Like, I, I love The Exorcist so much. And, like, three is almost just, like, it's kind of like asking what's your three favorite episodes of The Simpsons. Like, that's impossible. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Let's not go nuts here. Yeah, is something about, if the movie really, really bothered me, yeah, that, that top tier movie for me. But other sure. movies I've had fun with are, like, say, uh, Alien. That was a great movie when I first saw it. I remember my mom, when I was, like, six years old, showed me Psycho. Oh, it's a wonderful film. And that's one that, like, as a kid, like, it's not, like, too intense. Like, it's psychologically disturbing, don't get me wrong. But, like, it's not like uh, an 80s slasher movies where there's just, like, guts hanging out everywhere. In fact, you see very little gore in that film. Yeah, uh, there's no gore at all. It's all... Chocolate syrup, everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, on that note, uh, I was literally just talking about this last night, but, like, my favorite theater experience that I've ever had in my life, like, I'm a big fan of actually going to see movies in in theaters. I know I'm, like, an old man and shit, whatever, but uh, uh, I really like that. And But, admittedly, a theater experience is very, very dependent on the audience that you're with. Like, if you're in a good audience, it can really enhance the film. If you're in a shitty audience, it can really ruin the film. And, like, there's yeah. no better example of that for me than uh, when I saw the first Paranormal Activity. I actually saw it as a sneak preview, like, a couple weeks before it came out. And it was one of the – it was by far the best experience I've had in a theater because, like, as that movie progressed – and it's a little dated now. I know I know the found footage thing is kind of coming on. But, like, at the time, <laughs> it was relatively new. Uh, it was definitely, like, a resurgence of that genre, if you will. Uh, and like by about halfway through the movie, if you recall in that film, every it would like periodically cut to like night seven, night 12, night 15 or whatever it would say. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, like every time it went to that silent screen and it would declare what night it was, the audience had a collective gl- like gasp together like this big like (gasps) and like there is this like tension in the room as everybody held their breath and it was just amazing (laughs) like it was really really great and then the following year same uh, franchise went to see Paranormal Activity 2 and had a bad audience it would like giggle and laugh and talk the whole time and it like honestly ruined the movie but like those those are films that I thought was just a lot of fun now they're they, they went on too long I think everybody can agree on that they were fun while they lasted and then like suddenly they turned into like gangsters versus witches and well that's cool <laughs> like it's not really what we started as <laughs> it's kind of like the uh the final destination movies like okay yeah we get it okay yeah oh your your head is gone now okay. see i love that franchise too though and i love the way that that last one ties back around to the first one we find out it's a prequel big spoiler alert by the way sorry <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, <laughs> Darth Vader is Luke's dad, just, just oh, so you know. Oh, <laughs> shit! So while we're talking about scary stuff, and we were mentioning theme parks, let's talk about something that's a little scary that happened over at Disney about a week ago. So we have this new uh, transportation system that I know is just it, outside of your realm of existence, Miles, but you'll probably love this. They open up this gondola Skyliner 
form of transportation that will take you from one park to a resort to another resort to another park. Okay. On Saturday, they crashed. Oh, no. And they had to stop the line, which meant there were people dangling in the gondolas for several, several hours. Wow, that's not a good look. No, it's not a good look, especially when there's photos on Twitter, uh, people looking out their window, and they just see a lake underneath them. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm, I can't, nowhere to go. I was thinking, man, it would be really bad if I thought, okay, I really need to use a bathroom, but let's just get on the gondolas, get to where we're going, then I'll go. Yeah, oh, dude, because now you're just pissing in a bucket of your own filth at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. And that's the other thing. They have no air conditioning. They oh, are com- rough, dude. And yeah, you're in Florida, and that's in Florida? Yeah. Yeah, that's not great, man. Yeah. I mean, luckily it was at night, but, you know, nights here are still hot. I was looking out for, like, some kind of facts, because a lot of people are just over-sensationalizing the whole situation. Basically, it was an ADA gondola was getting ready to go. It slipped off the cable while it was still in the station, and other gondolas started backing up into it. Oh, no. Well, it's not, you know, they just were like lightly bumping into it. No, but that means like you have no other choice but to stop it because otherwise you're just going to get like a a complete mess of pileup. Exactly. And that's what they had like four or five of them piled up. They said, okay, let's stop it. Unfortunately, there were people already on the gondola, like about a mile away from the station. uh, Reedy Creek Fire Department had to come on out with their ladders and hoist people out. Apparently, national news outlets are reporting that people were hospitalized, but zero injuries were reported. I don't, I can't figure that one out. I'll be real. So I admittedly, if this happened on a weekend, like I am, I do the Fright Fest thing on the weekend. That takes up a large chunk of my day. I'm either, I I usually go up early, ride some rides and then go into makeup and then I'm in a house for the rest of the night. But uh, I didn't hear anything about this. And I mean, I follow several, yourself included, but I follow several theme park YouTubers and, uh, other people as well in the theme park community. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that I didn't hear anything about this at all. Well, we almost ended up in it because it happened on a Saturday night and we were t- saying to ourselves, hey, let's go out to food and wine and then take the gondola since we haven't been on it before. And then our plans kind of fell apart. It was like, all right, let's just stay home. And then we heard about that the following morning. It's like, oh, wow, I'm glad we stayed home. That would have been terrible. All right, so that that was going on. But um, what else? Oh, yeah, what else has happened? AEW is now on the air. Holy shit. Dynamite. Dynamite. Oh, God, that's such a weird name. I get what they're going for, but yeah, it is weird. Did you watch any of the uh, the Monday Night Wars? Did that pretty much happen after your time? No, no. Or before Monday, your time, excuse Monday me. Night Wars was 100% in the prime of my wrestling fandom. Like, I, I started, like, watching wrestling lightly as, like, a young kid. I'd have friends that had the toys. I'd see, you know, Hulk Hogan and be like, oh, wow, that dude looks impressive. And oddly enough, my dad liked Hulk Hogan movies, but my dad was like one of those like wrestling is fake and dumb and it won't be in this household. But then by the time like so so young wrestling, I'd only get to watch it like with friends and other stuff like that. Right. But then like as a teenager, when I'm getting into like my own things and whatnot, like I start to watch wrestling on the reg and it's Monday Night Wars flipping back and forth from TNT to uh, USA WWF at the time versus WCW and 
Yeah, dude, like, I mean, kind of, you know, getting ahead of it, I'm sure, a little bit. I, I am so excited, more than anything in wrestling right now, about AEW being actual, legit competition for WWE, and the fact that WWE is still at this point, I mean, from my understandings in the ratings, they got smacked in the mouth by AEW this last week, and still... WWE is trying to put on a front like, oh, they're not competition. We don't even care about them. They're not on our radar. Bullshit, sir. Bullshit. (laughs) That is bullshit you could smell all the way from Atlanta. I I like got embarrassingly excited about this recently because somebody like asked me like they they did, they weren't really wrestling fans they had just heard something about wrestling and they were like oh well do you know anything about this my friend's really excited and like I like got, I went nuts like ta- I went on like a ten minute speech about how excited <laughs> I was about how like finally we we're gonna have a new Monday or in this case Wednesday night war but like the WWE is actually going to have to like get their head out of their ass and actually do something unique and different or they're gonna fall because there is no such thing as too big to fail in entertainment that's not gonna that's just not the case if somebody comes along that's bigger and better they will take your your ratings period and AEW legitimately seems with some of the the names they have behind them especially uh cody rhodes and obviously chris jericho which uh, been very impressed with Cody Rhodes just in general and what I've seen because I was I was actually a Stardust fan believe it or not and uh you know, <laughs> seeing seeing him go from like his arc on WWE programming to where he is now doing the American Nightmare thing, all of that stuff, like it's it's amazing and it gives me so much hope and it makes me think like maybe one day I will like actually have good wrestling again. And I hate saying it like that because I've always been one of those wrestling fans that I get annoyed when wrestling fans are vocally like, wrestling sucks. And I'm like, if wrestling sucks so bad, why are you fucking not only watching it for eight hours a week, but then getting online and talking about it? Unless you work for what culture or cultaholic or whatever, like, I'm sorry, but you're not getting paid for that gig, so shut the fuck up. And I mean, honestly, that's where I am. I haven't been watching wrestling. I've not been watching wrestling recently much at all, just because it hasn't been doing anything for me. So I've been keeping up with it on, like, you know, YouTubers that review it, and I'm still very active on, like, wrestling Twitter. So I I know it's happening, and I love The Fiend, for what it's worth. But I, at the same time, literally just canceled my network subscription this month, because, one, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to watch the next couple pay-per-views, because I have uh, the scare acting and uh, comedy gig that are going to interfere. And, two, I just honestly don't care that much right now, so... I'm definitely going to pick back up when Royal Rumble comes around because, I mean, the Royal Rumble is the best thing ever. <laughs> but but uh, it's the Royal Rumble. Let's right. not go nuts here. I'll be, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be subscribed to the network from January through April. But, like, honestly, at this point, unless they do some major changing, that's kind of where I see myself as a WWE fan. Very intrigued to see what AEW is going to do, though. I, myself, was in very much of the same boat. I would only watch the pay-per-views on the network, watched almost none of Raw, none of SmackDown over the last several months. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't take it. It was so bad and just just not what I knew they were capable of. It, it seemed like it, they were deliberately trying to do bad. But let's reverse the clock just a little bit to the last Raw in September, which was the Raw before uh, Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. This, by without a doubt, was probably the most important week 
in the wrestling world in a long, long, long time. Raw came out with a new set. With the return of Pyro, by the way. Oh, nice. Which was really nice. And the set itself was, you know, it was kind of slick. It was kind of interesting. It started with a big old screen, and it kind of sloped down right into the stage, making it all one unified piece. You know, it was something new. It was interesting. It wasn't like the Titantron with the towers on the side, like back in the 90s. Sure. Or the SmackDown one with the fist. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) I hope that never comes back just by how unique it was. If it comes back, I'm going to be a little disappointed. I get that. But I want it to stay away just to keep it special. No, I 100% get that. And I I actually saw in a YouTube video not too long ago that... uh, it's like in some like those fists are still around, but they're in like some warehouse somewhere. Yeah, they have a storage warehouse, I guess, in Stamford, Connecticut, with all a bunch of like it's probably... like a museum of like cool wrestling stuff. And you know what? They I, this is my opinion. I think down here in Orlando at CityWalk, they need to open a restaurant slash Hall of Fame. Yes, they were talking about doing that. Like when I was there last, like five, four or five years ago, the NBA restaurant was shutting down and I had heard that that was the plan was WWE was actually going to open a Hall of Fame themed restaurant there. That would have been cool. I, I don't think the um, that particular location, there would have been enough space because if you're going to have like a Hall of Fame you would need something about the size of what is currently uh, the Hard Rock Cafe there. Sure. Yeah, you need more. I would agree with that. You need, especially with like, if you're going to have some of those big uh, statues they've made of like people like Andre the Giant, who is literally going to fill up an entire room. I mean, I've seen some of the traveling exhibits that they do when they have like fan access and stuff for WrestleManias and it's really fun. It's really cool. And it's something that deserves a permanent place in history. Not to mention that, I mean, I know they're very cautious and careful, but the more you travel those things, the more likely you're going to have an incident where you might damage something that's legitimately yep. irreplaceable. I mean, some of those flare robes that they take around, uh, you pull one feather and the whole thing's just going to fucking molt. <laughs> Smells like Harley Race. <laughs> I would love to see that, like some kind of Hard Rock style restaurant slash Hall of Fame. You can sit down and you can have like a raw burger and a SmackDown burrito. I don't know. I love that. And then Vince McMahon would be like, what the hell is a SmackDown burrito? And I, I want five of them. I don't know if you've heard this story, but apparently there's a, a claim that for a long time, Vince McMahon did not know what a burrito was. Like, he actually was ordering lunch, and he said he wanted one of those meat wraps that you got the other day, and they're like, a burrito? And he's like, what the hell is a burrito? I don't know what a burrito is. I'm Vince McMahon. Let me play with my human toys. I have heard that before, and that's one of those Vince McMahon stories. When you hear it, you're like, that can't, no. But at the same time, like, that dude's knuck and foot, so like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just look at the product he puts on the air. <laughs> True story. The, uh, that previous Monday, the, the new set, the Pyro's back, like, hey, woo, woo, all right, everything's nice and loud and whatever. And then they end the show with Lana kissing Bobby Lashley and creating a whole love triangle thing yeah. with Rusev that was just, it, it, it had Vince fingerprints all over it. There's no way Paul Heyman came up with that. I was at the Raw in Austin where they did almost the same damn thing, but it was Enzo Amore. Uh, in the hotel with Lana, and that was back before Enzo and Cass had their parting, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. But, like, I'll say this, like, being at those shows, 
that is the absolute worst. Like, you're just sitting there watching the big screen with this terrible fucking television that you know is going to look, like, awful on TV, and you're in an otherwise dark room. It's boring, and... Yeah, that stuff, like, I will say this, people are always like, I want the Attitude Era back, and I'm like, well, dude, honestly, this is actually pretty close to what we would get in the Attitude Era, but <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it does seem like they just keep doing the same thing with it. Like, if we're gonna catch somebody in the uh, in the hotel room with each other, let's, like, actually catch them in the act, and let's, like, actually, like, not make it look like a bad soap opera presentation, where it's like... At any point, you feel like they're just going to, like, fade in and somebody's going to have amnesia. <laughs> God, don't... Let's not give them any ideas. So, first week of a historic week in wrestling and Raw kind of sputters out. It, it was interesting. It wasn't worth really talking about. Everybody was really paying more attention to the following Wednesday, where all the real shit was happening. That's where we had NXT versus AEW. Wednesday Night Wars. Oh, boy. It's got a nice ring to it. Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross and some other guy I don't even remember at this point were the new commentating for AEW. It was, when I first watched it, it was very unique. Because like yourself, Miles, I really got into wrestling during the Monday Night Wars era. And to see these two on the same set right next to each other was very bizarre and almost kind of natural interesting to the point where it worked but it was weird to look at and at one part tony shavoni uh reached over and he tapped jr on the shoulder or something jr looked over at him and i'm almost thinking in his head he's saying don't touch me boy <laughs> i still owe you a couple of whippings from the 90s <laughs> <laughs> i'm not the biggest fan of jr i don't think he has the I don't think he has it anymore. The 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 draw factor to tell a good story and to still call a match at the same time. If you're if you're saying that you're not a if you if you're saying he doesn't have it currently, I completely agree with you. Like if we're talking back in the day, I think he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, he's definitely up there. But I'm talking about today. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm I feel like it's like gonna piss people off to say that, but like. I love good old JR. I think he's great. I would go see his one-man show. I'd read his book. I'd buy his barbecue sauce or whatever. But, like, I, I'm at the point now nuts. where it's like, I don't need him to be the... It, it's honestly the same thing they do with wrestlers. It's like, we quit trying to rely on the old guard and get me somebody in there that's young and new and exciting that is going to give me a good experience that when, you know, the kids of today's generation are our age making whatever replaces podcasting in the 2060s uh like that's the thing that they can be like no they need to have this kid he's been doing it forever and it's like yeah that kid's 80 years old now sir he can't do it anymore that's why i like people like Corey graves right now because he's agreed spectacular as a heel commentator agreed i, I do also very much enjoy Corey graves though uh, you just said heel commentator, and I agree, obviously he is one, but I think that's another real big issue uh, with commentary and wrestling in general right now, and again, hopefully something that AEW uh, allows to to improve, because with WWE, they're so scripted, and it's so blatantly forced, where, like, there's, it's hard to see Corey Graves going from being, like, 
the the heel that we want to dislike to then being like, don't forget, you get your first month free of the WWE Network and Hell in a Cell is only $9.99 this month. By the way, this guy sucks. Who let him in here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fucking true. It just, it feels like, uh, and especially when, yeah, you throw in all the forced advertisement, advertisement and... The very clear, like, fact that Vince McMahon is still so in their ears. Like, it, like one of the most telling stories on that is when Mick Foley was trying to do commentary for a while, and it's just like, you can't do it, because you, you have to be able to talk while there's a constant stream of noise in your ear telling you how to do better at what you're doing. Like, how do people work under those conditions? I will never know. Working in the TV business, I know that um, a good producer will not talk into talent's ear while they are talking. Not because they can wait until to get to their point across, but normal humans cannot talk and listen at the same time. A very select few can. Most people cannot. Yeah, it's not a skill that humans are really designed to do. I mean... But as far as the AEW show itself, it opened up with Cody Rhodes. Uh, He and his wife Brandy came out and he defeated... Sammy Guevara, who I don't know how he obtained this, but he comes out with a panda on his head, a stuffed panda. The whole the the character I'm learning a lot of these characters for the first time. So when this guy came out with a panda head, I was like, okay, yeah, that is a really weird like cosmetic choice. I I don't know. Uh, after that, we had uh, somebody I had seen in the Independence before, MJF. He defeated Brandon Cutler, and I love MJF. He is such an asshole. He is such a ter- an awesome, awesome heel. I love hating that dude so oh, much. Oh, it's so yes. much fun. Agreed with that completely. Love hating that dude. He, I think, really, like, that's the type of dude that, like, needs to be invested in hard right now. Like, he, that that's somebody that AEW should be, you know nurturing for the long haul because he could be the heel face of a company and definitely definitely hateable guy and then when he does have that triumphant i mean at some point uh there's going to be a face turn a face run with this guy it's going to happen i'm not saying it needs to happen anytime soon i'm saying like years from now when he's like just done everything he can as a heel he's gonna i think he's got legs to be a a long-run star in the business he reminds me a lot of the miz where he works so well as a heel but he could probably turn face for a little while but he needs to go back to being a heel because that's what he's so much better at that's his that's his bread and butter for sure yeah absolutely after that we had Pac, uh formerly neville came out and defeated Han- hangman page this was a match that i guess was set up for a number of months, if not almost a year. Well, they were talking saying, about that match back at before AEW was like AEW, like it, when it was still uh, all in, all or, in, yeah, yeah. The, like pay per view, yeah. They were trying to book that match, and they had I, I had read like I want to say it was uh, Pox Company that he was with at the time was like saying that he wasn't able to go and lose on a different promotion or something. I, I don't really know exactly what happened, but there is something to do with protecting another brand or something like that. Yeah. He was under contract for another promotion at the time. And it was a weird, like we don't want him to look bad type deal. And yeah, it was pretty much what you just described, but I think he's a hundred percent AEW now. Yeah. And so he had this long time match with hangman page that they were building up and 
it was a referee stoppage during the match. Yikes. We're not going to see that again, are we? <laughs> right after that, we had the uh, the women, the AEW Women's World Championship match, Riho versus Nyla Rose. And this was a great example of a small versus big. Wow, this was a great Japanese-style hard-hitting women's match where they beat the crap out of each other. Rio ended up winning as their new champion, and the match was really good in my opinion. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the AEW women's title, it's tiny. Is it really? It, it's, it looks like a toy belt. I was like, did they buy that off the shelf this morning? It is really small. It's one of the WWE's plastic ones, and they just uh, they just repainted it. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> it's oh wow, yeah. I'm looking at it right now, and it is very very slender. I guess that's kind of like a throwback to uh, old days of wrestling, where the women's title was diminutively small, and the women probably couldn't even wear it. It was so tiny. Honestly, I I do agree that like the title should match the frame because there's time like like specifically with Becky Lynch as the man that the big title looks good. But like, honestly, even somebody like Charlotte Flair, I, I always felt like the new women's title looked just too bulky on her. Like it, it didn't really look like a belt. But to be fair, Vince McMahon hates the word belt. So maybe he didn't want the word <laughs> to, or the belt to look like a belt. I don't know. That's possible. Uh, and they also saw it as a good marketing ploy to make they all the belts look exactly, exactly the same. Look like each yeah. other. I, yeah. I, that was their thing. I get it. But I hate that so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of do. But I also, and I like the, the 90s women's title, the way that looked. Yeah. Uh, that had a unique, I can, hey, I can identify that from across the building kind of thing, kind of look to it. Agreed. But after all that, we had the AEW champion, Chris Jericho. With Santana and Ortiz, they defeated the elite of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. This is where John Moxley came out of nowhere and beat the shit out of Kenny Omega, put him through a glass table, and they did not DQ the match at that point. I don't know why. Well, it wasn't a Hell in a Cell match. Oh, it wasn't a... Okay. If it had been a Hell in a Cell, I would have been an instant DQ. <laughs> that's what, what should have happened. Yeah. That's just how wrestling works. <laughs> I forget how it works sometimes. What are the rules? I don't know anymore. <laughs> Nobody does. At the end of the show, uh, what's his name? Jack Hager, Jake Hager, Jack Swagger, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> he came out. Uh, this is the guy that they're like, hey, this is the big signee we have now. And everyone's like, okay. Yeah, I feel um, almost bad for Jack Swagger because I really liked him when he was back in, like, he was one of the people I used to really enjoy in WWE for a run for a while, especially when him and Cesaro were a team, like, that was great. With, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, who was their manager? Oh, my God. Dutch Mantel. That guy was yes. wonderful. Uh, that was a that was a great time in wrestling, but the last time I saw uh, Jack Swagger... He had come out and he was supposed to be like the next big thing in Lucha Underground. And it was kind of like the same thing. It was like the fanfare that they expected did not match the fanfare in which he received. Um, and on Lucha Underground, that's particularly bad because that's a heavily produced show where they'll add in applause and cheers. So it's like, uh, oh, wait, so is WWE. But uh, AEW isn't. And uh, yeah, it definitely felt like it was kind of a, a lukewarm reception to him yeah he's not the kind of guy that makes you go oh shit this is lex luger walking through the mall of, Malari uh, Mal America the mall during of malaria <laughs> mall of malaria <laughs> i like that a lot 
man. <laughs> Shout out to a recent uh, Best Darn Diddly episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful, dude. Yeah, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, whatever, he's not the kind of guy you end the show with, with an oh shit moment. He's the kind of guy you bring out at the beginning of the show, it's like, oh look, Jack Hager's here now. Okay, cool. What else is on? <laughs> uh, overall, the show, it was good. The wrestling was very good. The storyline, the storytelling, it was decent to good. The commentary, I, uh, I it was so distracting at times because... It seemed like, here's the best way I can put it. I'm a Florida State football fan. Towards the end of his career, the head coach, Bobby Bowden, could not remember the players' names. He would just say, oh, uh, number 74 there. Uh, Yeah, he's from uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, I remember meeting his mom. Uh, We had dinner. We had chicken and dumplings and this and that. But he could not remember the guy, the player's name. That's a lot what JR's going through. Yeah. It's like he forgets who, who he's commentating about. Well, and like, it's exactly like you said. You can tell he clearly knows the kid or even and even likes the guy. Like, it's like you can tell it's not like <laughs> a, a situation where he's like trying to like throw shade on this young wrestler in this new promotion. It's like he's literally having name recollection issues, and again, he's had a long life in a stressful business, so it's reasonable to assume that his brain capacity is at least, is, things like name recognition might at least be slowing uh, and diminishing slightly, not to say that he's mm-hmm. not perfectly capable of having a lot of room to be a part of the wrestling business still, but... I don't think that commentator is the role that he should be in. Maybe he could work with the commentators uh, to help groom them, or maybe he could be just one-off special event type of things. Because every once in a while, it is really cool. Like, for instance, a great example was when they would have him come down and commentate for, like, an Undertaker match during the time of the streak at uh, oh, yes. you know over at WWE like those were those are fun it's like okay we're going to have a classic WrestleMania Undertaker match and we're going to have good old JR down here to talk about it but that's usually in an environment where he only has two names to remember or you know three or whatever the case might be but he only has to worry about that one match and he doesn't have to have a lot of new faces that he may or may not be familiar with that he has to suddenly know stats about and have name recognition on him. Yeah, that would probably be a really good way to use him. Just bring him out for the big four or five pay-per-views that they're going to have every year. Mm-hmm. Main event only type thing. Oh, yeah. And he could just talk about like what's going on, just do his thing, and then just recharge his batteries for the next one because he does not have it anymore. Agreed. So... As that's all going on, on another channel, we had on uh, USA a live rendition of WWE NXT. And Miles, I don't know if you figured it out or not, but I bleed the black and gold. I love NXT. That is that is my shit. I'm worried about it, man. I loved NXT uh, for a long time. I'm an old school fan. I've been watching since it debuted on the network and even a mm. little bit when it was FCW. I followed it. Um I, I love NXT and I'm always jealous when I see your pictures popping up. And man, you've been on NXT television several times because you're popping up in your Hawaiian tiki shirts in the uh, background. But uh, yeah, love NXT. Admittedly, I don't like that they're. I don't feel like it was the right move to change it the way that they have. I, I've 
I miss NXT for more of what it was than what it currently is. And in some ways, I don't mean this is an insult to NXT, because again, I love NXT, but I do think in some ways it's kind of a shitty move on WWE's part to say like, well, we're going to take our third brand up against you, uh, AEW. It's kind of like a a really, I don't know if you ever do like tabletop gaming or something, but it's like you're (laughs) playing somebody with such like an underpowered deck. You're like, I'm not even going to use my big cards. Like, and like, honestly, I don't feel like that's right. You see this blue eyes, white dragon. (laughs) I'm not even going to use it. That's right. Um, so like, they should have put SmackDown uh, up against it, or, you know, they're obviously not going to change Monday Night Raw, but uh, I, I don't think that moving AEW, I'm sorry, moving um, <laughs> moving NXT to a, new, a network off of the WWE network, that was part of the reason why I canceled as well, is that was the main reason I was still, like, that was the one show I'd still be tuning into, was NXT as often as I could be. And now you can just watch it live. Right. Now, back when I was going first start going to NXT shows, Kevin Owens was the champ. Uh, there was also Finn Balor. There was Charlotte Flair with Sasha Banks and Bailey. Uh, Alexa was there, but she was not the same person as she is now. Uh, just about every big name you can think of was in that building at the time. So I was really, really spoiled. That is cool. The reason I bring that up is because... From then to now, where you have Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Johnny Gargano, Danny Birch, Pete Dunne, it just, they don't seem to rebuild. They just seem to reload every time someone gets called up. Okay, let's bring up the next big guy. And they seem to do it. This has been going on for so long now that the shows show it. The shows are really, even the the weekly TV shows are insanely good shows to watch. They figured out, and and part of it is that they only have that hour of television to fill. They only have the traditional, uh, like, I guess they're kind of closer to, like, what, six pay-per-views a year now instead of four? But either way, it's, you don't feel overwhelmed with a, I keep saying AEW, you don't feel overwhelmed (laughs) with NXT shows. Um, And you're absolutely right. They they figured that out from a very early stage. Too. I'll actually I'll send you a picture. I'll, I'll tag you. I'll tweet it out on Instagram or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll share it to you somehow. But I've got one of the original NXT posters that I got at Fan Access at WrestleMania 30, and uh, that I've got autographed by several of the original NXT stars. But I'm like looking at it now. It's got Rusev. It's got Neville, Paige, oh, Emma, Corey Graves as a wrestler. Uh, Bo Dallas, like it's it's kind of nuts actually to see <laughs> some of these uh these original cast, but like that was a, a star that that is like a lot of those people now. I mean Rusev and uh, a lot of these people are like big names in either WWE or AEW now, and it's kind of crazy to see. But they just have like a never ending reload cash at their their performance center. So every time they call up a bunch of people, you're absolutely right. It's like well, there's probably they like oh what Adam Cole's getting called up well we have six Adam Coles right here what, which one should we go with <laughs> oh god oh wow <laughs> I I just blacked out a little bit thinking about that <laughs> uh, yeah the undisputed era is awesome Matt Riddle is awesome Roderick Strong uh, Roderick Strong he is awesome it, it, it's funny because this used to be the developmental league. Now it's like, you need 15 years experience just to get to this point. Right. After that, then you can blow up. 
Yeah, and that's kind of weird too in its own in its own way. Like if, if you go back to we were talking about like the Attitude Era, like you if you remember WCW is doing this thing where they had the power plants that they were having. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like a a very prototypeish version of what the training center went on to be eventually, but um, it just wasn't the same thing because that power plant was. Basically, like, oh, we saw this guy at a weightlifting competition, and he can lift up an incredible amount of weight. Now, he has no wrestling experience whatsoever, but, like, we'll teach him yeah. that. Or, uh, you know, we've got this football player here who is uh, retiring, and we're going to see if we can, you know, extend his career because he's got a big personality or whatever. Uh, so we got to train him. And now it's like, to, just to get in at the performance center... You have to have, like you said, you had to have basically grown up in either wrestling, dance, or gymnastics, and then, like, go from there so that you at least have, I guess, acting would be the other thing that they might pull from. But, like, you already have to have so much experience in one of the tools that you need just to get your foot in the door. And then, even then, there's a decent chance you're going to work your ass off and they're going to go and pull some random star off of the indies or out of nowhere and you're just going to get replaced or cut in front of and you're going to be left there pushing endless pounds of lead absolutely not making it but uh working your ass off every single day yeah and i think that's why they elevated nxt the way they did because people don't really see it as developmental anymore especially when they put on the best product out of any pay-per-view this year yeah the nxt takeovers have been the that is what you want to watch. The takeovers have been the absolute best events, period, for a while, in my opinion. And I guess that's why they, they're starting to say, all right, it's ready to to jump up to the next level. We still have Evolve Wrestling. We can develop people there, then bring them to NXT. Then we can bring them up if they get even bigger. I, that sounds like such a convoluted ladder to climb, but... But think about wrestling. how great career mode on video games are going to be one day. Like you're going to have oh to, my God. you're going to start in like some like trampoline league on YouTube, and then work your way into Evolve. <laughs> then you'll find your way onto NXT. Uh, eventually, you'll get a chance at a call up at W or uh, Raw or SmackDown, where your popularity will fizzle, and you'll become in the background until you get frustrated, and then you can transfer over to AEW. Like it, it's it writes itself. <laughs> like honestly, wow. That- Seems so familiar. <laughs> Some other stories we've been seeing. Perfect 10. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So NXT, still a great show. I think, in my opinion, it was the better show of the night. Uh, AEW is the new thing out there right now. They obviously won the rating war that night, and they're going to win it for probably the first month. After that, that's going to be the interesting point. We have Raw, we have the Wednesday Night Wars, after that, we had the first night of SmackDown on Fox. Fox, who paid WWE $1 billion. That's a b -b 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 billion with a B. On the very first episode of the new SmackDown, how did it end? With their champion, Kofi Kingston, getting pinned in nine seconds by Brock Lesnar. A lot of people saw it coming. Nobody was happy about it. But we were thinking, you know what? At least we have Hell in the Cell on Sunday <laughs> to look forward to. I'm sure that'll make everything better. So let's jump into that real quick. The first hour or so of Hell in the Cell was actually really great to watch. They started off Becky Lynch versus Sasha, and they that was a hell of a great match. I mean, it was really hard hitting. It, there was lots of hardcore action in it. They did some really innovative things. Like, I noticed when the match started, the, ma uh, the, the cell wasn't completely down yet. 
that's when Sasha starts beating up Becky and they start outside and they're as the the cage is coming down, they go back outside and they're beating it, beating up each other inside again. It was all over the place. Becky grabs the chain that they used to lock it, wraps it around her fist and starts beating Sasha with it. It was a great match. I was like, all right, this is going to be a good show. I'm a fan of both of those ladies. I think they're both great. And uh, that that was actually from, again, I didn't actually get to watch this pay-per-view. I just got highlights, but from what I could tell, like you, a lot of people are like feeling pretty up about WWE Hell in a Cell right now. Yep. Uh, the first match, pretty good. Then right after that was Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. They defeated Eric Rowan and Luke Harper in a... In a tornado tag me match. I can't remember the last time I've seen a tornado tag match. I'm pretty sure it also featured Daniel Bryan, but back when he was with Kane, if I remember correctly. You see, I didn't see that time frame. So oh, that was when they were like the like uh dysfunctional tag team. Uh they had met they they were basically paired together through anger management, and it was actually really <laughs> fun. Uh, but everything Daniel Bryan does is amazing. So, and, and frankly, uh, Kane is really, really great in a lot of roles. And in that one, he, like very much like when he partnered with X-Pac back in the Attitude Era, like it was a really good <laughs> fit in styles. So after that, uh, the next match was Randy Orton versus just Ali, whatever, why some of these wrestlers can't keep their full names anymore. It's really hates full names, man. Just... Randy Orton looked bored as hell, like he didn't want to be there. He ended up winning, of course. Whatever. That's that's like the biggest problem with Randy Orton in general is he like know, you can man. read his emotions. Like he's he's honestly he's not a good actor is the thing. Like he, I mean, anyone who's seen him in films can probably figure that out pretty quickly. But uh, <laughs> like when he's in a bad mood, you can just see the dude's in a bad mood. And when he's having fun, you can see the dude's having fun. And the only time Randy Orton is entertaining is when he's actively enjoying his storyline and is putting his like passion into it but like he just seems like he's on autopilot 75% of the time mm -hmm. he's just hitting the motions go collect my check yeah after that we had the Kabuki Warriors which is probably one of the worst names for a tag team which Asuka and Kari Sane I love these two I love both of them but yeah I agree their their name is weird yeah, they defeated Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the Women's Tag Team Championship. Now, I know everyone's dry, just, like, scratching at their podcast play. I was like, what are you getting to it? Get to the meat! So we'll just skip to it. Viking Raiders and Eric Bra uh, Braun Strowman, that's his name, defeated the OC. Chad Gable defeated King Corbin. <sighs> at this point, I'm sure the crowd was starting to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, Charlotte Flair defeated Bailey, who was a champion by submission. And then we get to the one everyone was waiting for. This is the match. Oh, this is going to be so good. We are so hyped to see this. The Fiend versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. Let's turn on the red lights. Yeah. So this match has been torn apart. I mean, already for yeah, pretty there's, much there's everyone. There's nothing we can say new about the match itself. But I did hear today, and I have no idea to its validity or, you know, who reported it or any of that. But I did hear today and just like random. Uh, I want to say it was uh, Wrestle Talk, possibly. But... One of the, the wrestling things I follow on YouTube, I saw a clip, and uh, there are now reports saying that uh, the original plan for the end of that match was actually to go to the top of the cell, and they're going to have somebody take a bump from the top of the cell. Um, classic through the, mm -hmm. the announce table type of situation. 
At some point early in the match, Bray Wyatt actually became concussed, and it was no longer a viable option to he, he like he wasn't going to make it to the top. It was like, it was becoming very clear that that wasn't happening. Um, which that makes me already scratch my head because I know Bray Wyatt lists Mick Foley as one of his idols, and I'm thinking like, yeah, Mick Foley <laughs> made it to the top twice. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I do get that we live in a, a different world in 2019, and they're not going to let people go up and do crazy bumps when they already have a concussion. When their name's not Shane McMahon. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's different. You own, you, you have stake in the company literally at that point. Your father has already told you several times he loves his product more than you. I'm willing to bet... <laughs> that's without a doubt. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that is something that is getting quote-unquote leaked out to try and save face. Like, yeah, Totally fair, yeah. That could be a situation where they're like, oh, we really screwed the pooch on this one. Uh, but would it have been cool if we did this? Yeah, it would have been cool. You know what also would have been cool if like a day or two earlier, you guys didn't put out a Twitter poll asking, how will this match end? Pinfall, submission, DQ. Everyone jumped on that DQ. They didn't vote for it. They jumped on it like... Don't you dare have a fucking DQ. They were setting us up for a DQ match is what they were doing. Yeah, dude. And that's absolute bullshit when they even flash that on Twitter. I mean, how bad is that? Ugh, it, it seems like the dumbest mistakes you could possibly make are being made. And people are running in droves to AEW because of it. This is not a smart time or a smart thing to do. And that goes back to the fact that AEW is a legitimate threat to WWE, regardless if WWE is willing to accept that or not at this point. But uh, if possibly Vince McMahon truly is delusional, I think there's very um, a very large amount of evidence that could point to that being possible. Um, maybe he legitimately is like, oh, that little fly on the ah, you little Cody, you talking about the son of the son of a plumber? I don't think so. Like, Vince could be so delusional that he just doesn't see AEW as a threat, but AEW is not just knocking on your door. They are bulldozing your fucking house over right they're now. They're kicking the door in. Yeah, like, they're they're ready for a fight, and they're ready for a... And, like, I love... I've been seeing Cody, and I've been seeing Jericho, and uh, Moxley, and all those guys that are not letting up on just how bad the WWE creative is. And, like, not only are they bad in the sense that they're doing a bad job but they're also bad in the sense that nobody wants to work with them because they're not wrestling people and they don't know what the hell they're talking about half the time did you see the tweet that the porn company brazers put out no i missed that one. Oh my god it's like they put out a really short tweet and i'm gonna summarize it said something along the lines of Hey, WWE, let us know if you need help constructing entertaining and provoking <laughs> storylines with satisfying finishes. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. That is so... And what I love is all the performers backstage who have access to, like, Dave Meltzer and, like, all these other wrestling journalists, they're all saying this is such a bad idea. This is Nobody is thinking this was a good way to end the show. Right, there's only one person who thought it was a good idea. Yeah, and unfortunately, he's the guy signing the checks. Yeah. All right, so was there anything else we want to talk about? Because that was a very historic week in wrestling. My God, it just there, this should be a template of what you should do and what you should not do going ahead in the future. Mm -hmm. 
honestly, WWE seems like they really need to, like, wake up and acknowledge, like, oh, hey, competition, like, real competition. We should, like, put our best foot forward and not keep doing the same old shit. Now, come January, when Royal Rumble and TakeOver start kicking back in again, that's going to be the real fight. That's going to be the challenge for AEW, for sure. Yeah, let, let's see if they can keep the momentum going. Right now, they're hot. A lot of people just call them a... a overrated t-shirt company let's see if they could actually be a wrestling company (laughs) that's fair i mean they do have a lot of really gimmicky things in their programming but i think that uh and the more enlightened wrestling fandom that is and like how wrestling fans are now it's it's like we know it's a comic book right like we we're no one no one is watching it thinking it's real but we want it to be treated as real uh so we don't mind big absurd characters but then at the same time what character maybe there's arguably characters in aw that take it too far i mean like uh who's the dude that wrestles with his hands in his pockets the whole time uh shit you know who I'm talking exactly about, though, right? Ta- like, I know exactly who you're talking arguably, about. Arguably, like, if you ever want to, like, fun, like, podcast experience, listen to Jim Cornette go off on how stupid that guy is. It's kind of hilarious because it's Jim Cornette being Jim Cornette. But, like, oh, um, anything it- Jim Cornette hates, I uh, immediately love. <laughs> Joey Ryan, fuck <laughs> yes. Love that, yeah. I love Joey Ryan. He's great. But uh, this, this hands in this pockets, dude, like, I, I will give credit to Cornette's point on this. Like, at a certain point, you are taking any sort of, like, like how far is too far about like taking credibility like you can't say that you want it to be treated as real and then also watch this guy fight with his hands in his pockets and you know potentially win a match you know what i mean like there's there is a suspension of disbelief that has to be like held and also respected but ultimately i'm i'm very excited i think that the unique draws that aw does have is more of a positive than it is a negative because if nothing else We know we're not going to see that in WWE. Right. I know that WWE has a lot they need to fix the ship, but if that doesn't start writing itself, you know, we have this other product we can start going to. TNA is, or excuse me, Impact, I still call TNA. Impact has a show that's very watchable right now. NWA Power just hit the air. There's a lot of options right now. There's a wrestling boom. There is. Hey, uh, if we're done with wrestling, I actually had some yes. questions for you back on theme parks and specifically Universal, if you're, you're oh, down to yeah, chat absolutely. about that for Hit a moment. Me. So, uh, we recently at Universal, they replaced one of my favorite coasters at the park, which was the Dueling Dragons with the Haggard's mm-hmm. Motorbike Express. And first of all, I, I think you have, I, I saw on YouTube, you have had the opportunity to ride it, but, uh, I've also heard that there's lots of mechanical issues and even today, I heard that their newest problem is they actually have an invasion of bees that they legally are not allowed to move because they're a protected species. Uh, talk to me about Hagrid's <laughs> motorbike ride, and if you've heard any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I've, I know everything you're speaking of. First off, when this ride first opened, it had a very limited daily runtime. It would open in the morning with the park. It's like, say, 9 a.m., but... The rest of the park is still going to late in the night, but this particular ride has to close at 5 p.m. The reasoning for it, the only, and I actually reached out to a couple official Universal people and I said, why does this particular ride need to close down? And the only reason they gave me is this ride requires maintenance that makes us have to work on it starting at 5. And I'm, Weird. Trying, I'm racking my brain over this one. 
because there are some animatronics out in the open on this ride, but, you know, just put a cover over them. It's not that big of a deal. Interesting. And I mean, you would think that would be something that they had accounted for. I mean, when they they were designing the ride, they knew that they were... My understanding is there's a a pretty impressive animatronic Hagrid himself. Yeah, there's a couple of them, actually. Okay. Um, the, The entire ride experience is phenomenal. First off, because I can ride it. Okay. Anybody who knows me knows I am a girthy person. I have, uh, I got a little bit of weight on me, which prevents me from riding the other two Harry Potter experiences. Oh, the one at that's a bummer. Islands and the one at Universal. You got, dude, like, commit yourself to getting down enough so you can ride Forbidden Journey. Like, honest to God, it's worth not eating for like a month. <laughs> like, just start, like, I know your doctor's gonna recommend that you, like, diet and try to lose weight healthy. Uh, fuck that. Just, like, literally... No, no carver, no, no food intake at all until you can ride that ride. And then, dude, do you, boo. <laughs> that, that is a goal of mine to get on this ride because there's nothing more shameful than wait an hour and a half in line, get to the ride, and it won't close. Yeah, it's a You bummer. need to get out. That is just, that is a walk of shame that is just absolutely fucking miserable. Yeah, that's a bummer. For sure. Back to the Hagrid's. It's modeled after a motorcycle and a sidecar. And I'm thinking, you know what? I can get in the sidecar. That's not a problem. I sit down. The thing won't close. Oh, fuck. Here we go again. How long was the wait when you when you went to uh, ride this? 120 minutes. Woo! I heard reports yeah. that the first riders were waiting like 8 to 10 hours. So I, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not, but... There is truth to that, because I was able to get a number of people to start downloading my podcast, and they were able to listen to an entire episode nice. while they were in line. That's that's pretty awesome, actually. Good marketing right there. There's still some preliminary uh, ways they want to work the queue line, because they, they will eventually have like a single rider line, but I think it's all just like everybody get in this line and just fend for yourself. Sure. I do love single rider lines. That's the way to get around a theme park right there. All day, baby. Yeah, for sure. The immersiveness of this ride is spectacular. First, you get like a little pre-show where it's Hagrid and the Weasley father, and he's been working on this motorcycle like he did with the car, if you're familiar with the the Harry Potter series at all. Oh, hell yeah. I'm a huge fan. He develops like this new fuel he calls dragon fuel, and it it flames up and it shoots all over the place. Basically, that's what makes this thing go. So you're sitting in a motorcycle. I don't fit in the sidecar. I get out. I go to the test vehicle they have right there. And they said, oh, but you can ride on the the motorcycle park. Like, okay, I wasn't anticipating this. I'm not a coaster junkie. I know some people love who are adrenaline junkies. I, I'm a big coaster junkie for sure. I like coasters. I'm not a coaster junkie. That's It's a weird thing to try to define. Okay. I can do a coaster if I've been on it like two, three times. Then like, okay, this, is new. this isn't new to me. Let's go with it. I get in. I sit down in the motorcycle park. And because I'm also a vlogger, I'm thinking, I have my camera in my pocket. I'll just take it out and take some shots as we're going. I reach down. I try to pull the camera out of my pocket. It's getting caught on the fabric. Oh no, I can't pull, I can't pull my camera out of my pocket and I can't let go of it either. Otherwise it's going to fall out while I'm riding because I am literally sitting on a motorcycle. (laughs) So as you're sitting on the motorcycle, you're supposed to reach out and grab the two handlebars. So I'm there with my left hand on the handlebar, my right hand on my hip, holding my pocket shut. So the camera doesn't slide out and we are going through this coaster with high turns, full speed, deep bankings and everything. And just, I was scared shitless the whole time. 
That's funny. Because I have most of the time when I'm like like Big Thunder Mountain at Magic Kingdom, you're in a train car that has walls that you can lean up against you and you feel a little more secure. This thing, your feet are pretty much there's no room for your feet to move. You have to hold on to this. Are are you legit like straddling a motorcycle when you ride this thing? Is that how the ride vehicle is designed? Yeah, with a little bit of a lap bar okay. to hold you in place. Interesting. So, but you forget about that because you're you're hanging onto the the motorcycle bars, and it's going around curves. It's going if like all right, let's hit this long straightaway, and it goes full speed. It comes, it slows down, it goes around a corner, and there's Hagrid looking with a magical creature that we never saw in the movies. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, God, we're going again. It's going again. And it's going around corners, and we go to this incline. And usually on on um, roller coasters, when you hit an incline, you're thinking, okay, we're going to go up, and then we're going to take a steep dive. So I'm just holding on, bracing myself, clenching my ass. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Wait a minute. We stopped. Why did we stop? Oh, we're going backwards now. Shit, we're going backwards. <laughs> and we're flying backwards, like going curves. And then the track changed some earlier, so we're not on the same track. Say, as, as a switch track, then I'm guessing, because there's no way they're riding a single a single coaster on this thing. Correct. It does si- switch the track at one part, and it's going around curves, and I can't, I cannot turn around. I have no idea where we're going, which scares me a little bit more. So it takes <laughs> this, this heavy curve. We go into a cave, and there's like m- magic bats or some other things in there they're flying around and Hagrid's like oh don't worry I'll get you out of here and we did something I've never done on a coaster before and that is vertically drop oh cool like a good 8 to 10 feet straight down from one track to the another then we take off again straight full speed curves more magical creatures are jumping around I'm holding on I'm screaming we finally stop and I'm like Okay, let's do it again. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Because it so is cool. described as a family-friendly coaster, so I, I, I'm imagining it's it's less intense than the Dueling Dragons was. But it sounds like it's not by any means like on the level of like the Hippogriff ride or anything. No, 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 no. The Hippogriff is family coaster. I don't know how Hagrid's ride got a family-styled name on it because. The language I was using was not family friendly. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's I'm really excited. That's one of the rides I am very excited to ride next time I get to opportunity to visit uh, your your wonderful town out there in Orlando. Uh, another thing that I'm excited about, though, I also oh actually bees is the bees thing legit? The bees thing is legit. The ride's been closed for a couple of at least a week now because oh my goodness, that's awful, but also kind of hilarious. And the funny thing is, is it closed down. I think. Two days after I had ridden it, so the and they're honeybees as well, so that's why they're protected. It's the honey. They had to have started that nest at that point. Wow, how unfortunate for Universal. I mean, that's just a real hassle of a thing to have to deal with. But uh, switching over from uh, Harry Potter, uh, the uh, just next door at Orlando, there at Islands of Adventure, you've got the Jurassic Park coaster, the Velosa coaster, I think it's being called. Uh, is, that sounds is right. Being built right now but i heard that they were originally planning to convert the jurassic park uh water raft ride to a jurassic world ride and now that has been canceled from like a budgetary standpoint they went ahead and did it in california but uh, they're just going to do the coaster and keep it jurassic park in in orlando yeah i don't know why they really went ahead with the uh, the conversion in california uh i don't know the details of how it differs from the previous ride but the thing about orlando parks is 
yeah, the locals go to them, but so does the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little more difficult to change anything in the Orlando parks versus the California parks, where that is almost 90% locals who go. So they don't want to see the same thing over and over and over again. You've got you to gotta make changes here and there, yeah. Yeah, well, definitely if you're universal, because they have no problem whatsoever. Oh, this beloved thing? Get rid yeah. of it. Don't care. We don't give a fuck about Jaws. Even worse, I've I've heard that, like, I mean, to be fair, like, Harry Potter, Diagon Alley is amazing. Like, if they're going to replace it with something, it's pretty dope. But, like, I really like Disaster Studios, and I heard that Fast and Furious is just a fucking dumpster fire. Fast and Furious is, without a doubt, the worst fucking attraction I have ever been on. That's awful. Like, that's that's impressively bad. That is... It is so, so bad. It's like you're riding on a PS2 footage crash scene. It's uh, Vin Diesel gets out of his car at one point and grabs hold of a the, the landing gear of a man-sized chopper that has a pilot. <laughs> so the, the proportions are just astronomically stupid. They're not believable. And I, you can't suspend disbelief for this. This is like, this is fucking stupid. Stupid. The only saving grace I've heard is that the queue line is actually kind of cool, but other than that, like the ride itself is just an absolute waste of time. If you are a fan of Fast and the Furious, the queue line is worth going through, and because they have like all kinds of Easter eggs from the movies. Yeah, that's cool. And there's parts where you walk by their trophy room, I guess what it is, where it has keys and titles to cars that they had won in races. Nice. And there's like the the DeLorean from Back to the Future, the <laughs> A-Team's van. Uh, like like all these pop culture vehicles are up on this wall, and just their keys and their titles. That's cool. But that alone is is pretty cool to look at. And last, uh, last theme park question I have for you, just because... Uh I, I know you might have other stuff, or we might have to do it. I don't know. But either way, Halloween Horror Nights, man. I told you it's one of my favorite events. Uh, absolutely love it. I know you just recently did an entire walkthrough and comparison of essentially your experience of the night with a Fast Pass and without a Fast Pass. But the thing that I really just want to get down to is what is, in your opinion, the best... Uh, what's the best house this year? See, that's... That's tricky. Okay, because the two times I went, some of the houses I went on both nights, I had kind of different experiences. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, the way Haunted Attractions work, unfortunately, is because it is essentially like a live production happening inside. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I I have to pick and choose when when I'm in the house, I'm, you know, in character, and I come out in a place where you can't see me, and then since most of you probably aren't coming through my haunt, it, uh... Six Flags over Texas there, I uh, I pop out a couple times where you wouldn't expect me to. You know, it's going to be a different experience depending on where you are when I pop out. That's just unfortunately the nature of the beast. I can't hit every single person with every single pop out. It just doesn't work that way. So, Oh, no, that that's just the luck of the draw. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't have a problem with that. There was one house where every single scare was happening right behind me. Uh, Ah, it's frustrating. Well, yeah, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it didn't upset me because if they're looking out their little people and they see, oh, here's this big six-foot dude, and right behind him is a group of teenage girls, fuck that dude, I'm going to scare the girls. Oh, no, I see, I'm the opposite. I'm going to target your ass because if I scare you, those girls are going to be fucking terrified. Oh, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Well, I, I didn't have that kind of luck. Best house would probably be the Ghostbusters house. 
Oh, I didn't even know there both. was a Ghostbusters house this year. That's awesome. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, it's like the main event this year. Last year was Stranger Things. This year it's it's Ghostbusters and... Is it the new Ghostbusters or the old Ghostbusters? It is Ghostbusters 1986. Yes. Love it. Four, whenever that movie came out. But there are a couple of little hints to Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters 2016 in there. Just a little bit. Well, that's cool. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. That's an interesting idea property to do a, a haunted event on just because it's such a beloved, like, I guess horror comedy would be the way I would put it. Yeah, and it, it completely worked. I mean, there was one part where the gatekeeper, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, mm-hmm. after she got possessed, she became the, the gatekeeper. I think she's the gatekeeper. Uh, she that, that actress is dressed there in, like, the, the red flowy outfit, sitting on a cement bench, and I just stopped in my tracks. I was like, oh, God, I'm glad there's no children here. <laughs> I'm also glad there's nobody in front of me. <laughs> it's going to be like that for probably another 10 seconds until they start yelling at me to keep moving. Yep. I'm just going to rest right here. There are a couple of houses we went through where it just that happened to be when the cast was doing their change out because I think they do 45 minutes on 45 minutes off. And if you're walking through the house during the changeover, sorry, it's just. That's what happens. Yeah, I've experienced that too. And it it can be a little bit frustrating because you kind of see two of the same character in a place that you shouldn't or like they just don't pop out where they should. Yeah, you're just walking through a set piece. It's like, uh, something's missing. I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. Oh, there should be a monster right there. Usually it's a really impressive set piece, but yeah. Yeah, that that's what makes Halloween Horror Nights so worth it because mm-hmm. they, you could see they put their money into it. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like they just went out to a Halloween spirit store and like oh, let's let's buy all the fake blood we can. But then again, and just in general, I would say, and I, I can't really speak for for Disney because I don't really, I'm not their target audience. There's very few things <laughs> there that like I'm interested in, frankly, uh, property wise. But like, I'm a big fan of, of theme parks. I frequent Six Flags a lot because I get a pass there when I work there. I go to Universal uh, on average about once every five years, uh, which isn't nearly enough, but it's what I can do. Where Universal sets themselves apart from the pack, in my mind, is the theming. And that's both for the Halloween Horror Nights event and for the theme park attractions. Because, honestly, I wouldn't even be mad if I spent like an hour in line for the Simpsons ride because the Simpsons queue is so freaking entertaining. Like, you get to watch an entire episode of The Simpsons, essentially, while you're waiting in line, and it's, like, a completely original... I love it when they, like, kill uh, Doc and Mark... uh, Doc Brown, uh, like, an Easter egg, you know, since they replaced the Back to the Future ride. I love all that type of stuff, and uh, to a lesser extent, I feel the same way about, like, the Mummy ride. I definitely feel that way about the new Harry Potter stuff. I mean, the the Hogwarts Castle set piece is like worth just walking through it, even if there wasn't a ride there. Absolutely, I I, I completely agree. There's definitely a lot more hits than misses, and uh, you know, there's some days where I'll ride Transformers. And I'm like, oh, this is shit. And there's some days I ride it, and I'm like, you know what? This ain't half bad. This is actually pretty good. Uh, oh, I'm dizzy now. I really like the Transformers ride. That was one of the surprise hits last time I visited. Yeah, it's def- I think it's it's on my good graces. I wasn't very impressed at first. I might have it just I might have been on my period. I don't know. I get it. It dude. was one of those weird things. Well, and also, I mean, I think that that's another thing too is the Universal has gotten very into screen rides, which I don't know how I necessarily oh, feel. Yeah. Like even like the the Harry Potter Escape from uh, Gringotts 
is a roller coaster that uses a, a lot of screens. Like you're you're constantly watching something. Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, you're constantly flipping back and forth from either watching something happening on a screen or watching like a live prop, an animated prop that you're going by. But uh, lots of screen attractions, and that's something that they just don't really do at Six Flags, which definitely changes the nature of things. But like the theming at Six Flags is always very light. I'm fortunate in the haunted house that I'm in. Like, we actually have a very well-themed haunted house, the way it's, like, set up to look like a barbecue joint. And it actually happens to be, the the queue happens to line up literally right next to a barbecue restaurant where you can actually go eat if you want to, uh, which is kind of, you know, fun because it's fairly disturbing to think, like, after you go eat and then you go through the house and you're like, wait a second, how did I get that whole sandwich for only... $12. (laughs) Because uh, <laughs> shit's expensive. Yeah. But the theming in general, both in the haunted events and just in the parks in general, is one place that I think that they could definitely catch up. But also, I do think that to a large extent, they just kind of cater to a different business plan because Orlando is a destination theme park. I mean, people buy packages where they go specifically for that. And like most of the Six Flags parks are located in places that are considered to be destination vacations of for, for other reasons, essentially. Yeah, it, it, it's a different clientele. Yeah, totally. That is an experience I definitely want to try. I've learned that what I should probably do, because there are also uh, scare events at, in Tampa, a couple more around town. I'm realizing what I should do is hit those first, then do Halloween Horror Nights, because that's where all the money went, apparently. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a lot to be said uh, for, I mean, honestly, I have mad respect for home haunters. I've put on several of them, and I mean, they're they're corny and cheesy by comparison to something you're going to get with anything with a real budget. But like, I I have respect for all those little hole-in-the-wall haunted houses because I, I just have a, a passion for that those types of places. And even when you go through a kind of admittedly cheesy haunt, like when you can see the people that are working on it and like are, are actually there, not just to like try to churn a quick buck, but that because they clearly love haunting and they clearly love scaring people. Uh, we have a, a pretty well-respected haunt uh, up here in Dallas called Cutting Edge that I've been to a, a number of times. Uh, they're pretty pricey, admittedly, but it's because they really are a operation that they only profit like one month out of the year, if you really think about it. And they spend uh, several, several months trying to rebuild the house and change it up enough to draw because it is a mostly local draw attraction so you know they they respect that you have to uh change it to keep it interesting and fresh but without the budget and without the properties that universal has cutting edge is super impressive and and there's a lot of places like that that you might not necessarily expect to have like a a theme park level of or a haunted a halloween horror nights level of experience in terms of like they just don't have the budget to keep up but there's plenty of B horror movies that I really enjoy. Oh yeah. And it's just because the passion was there. All right, Miles, I just want to say thank you for being on the show today. This has been a really, really special episode. I thank you so much for being on. Is there anything about your show, the best darn dilly you want to go ahead and tell us about? Like you're on season eight right now, right? We are on season eight. We review every episode, episode by episode. So in in chronological order, uh, we're almost done with season eight actually is the crazy part. 
Uh, wow. have had some really cool guests on just this season, even more if you go back through the past seasons. But most recently, we've had both uh, Mike Reese, one of the creators of the show, showrunner from season four. And also, um, this episode's not even out yet. It won't be for a couple weeks still. But we actually most recently had Bill Oakley, uh, showrunner for season eight, along with Josh Weinstein. Oh, shit. Who came along to talk about us uh, about the episode Homer's Enemy, which is where we meet Frank Grimes who uh, cannot stand Homer's buffoonery, and it was a, a real treat to get to have one of the creators of the show come on and talk about that. Uh, you can find all that at bestdarndiddly.com. That's D-I-D-D-L-Y. You can also find it at bestdarndiddly pretty much everywhere online. Uh, I'm online as well at Mr. Most Days Off. I, uh, Bob already talked about it. I put a lot of makeup pictures on this time of year, so if you're into the Halloween scene and you want to see me all decked out like a cannibal, I do... Uh, I, I flip back and forth between doing scary pics and doing, like, comedy pics because I can't help myself sometimes. I do also <laughs> do comedy, uh, and you'll find all of that online if you want to follow me at Mr. Most Days Off. That is, that is so cool. Man, it seems like... I know I was on your show for like a season five episode, I want to say it was. Well, you were on for the theme park episode, Itchy and Scratchy Land. So, I mean, like. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it was just like a month or two ago. And you here you guys are, you're wrapping up season eight. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. But Bob, I had a great time being on your show, dude. And I am always down. I don't have to like you know poison your co-host to get a spot next time you can just uh you can just invite me on i don't have to take anyone out that way it'll be easier on everyone but now anytime you're looking for a guest to talk about wrestling or theme parks or really anything that is in that nerd spectrum uh give me a shout love being here and i uh, really appreciate you having me on the show the door is always open for you i can't say the same for rich <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now, Rich, you can come on. I need to get Rich on this show. We need to talk about wrestling with that dumbass. <laughs> yeah, that would be highly entertaining to hear <laughs> his take on the Wednesday Night Wars. <laughs> he's that guy who who feels like he's dropping a bombshell. You know wrestling's fake, right? Every time, dude. Every time. The same guy that will tell you wrestling's fake in a fantasy football chat room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want to support the show, again, we do have a Patreon page. Search Cretans Guild. Another way you can also support us is on tpublic.com. Just search uh, Cretans Guild. Not uh, just Cretans Guild. One word. And you can also find us on Twitter. On our the top of the page is where you'll find pinned links to all those things, including other places where you can listen to us, including our YouTube page. And there's also Jay's video game review site that he has just started up. I highly suggest if you're a gamer, check it out. It's called Square Pegs. Links are in the description. I hope you guys go and check all that stuff out. To all of our followers, new and old, we say, welcome to the guild. This podcast is part of the Somebodies Network. You're never alone. When you've got some buddies.